This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. Would you like to sample some of my nuts? I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen buddy murder until someone understands That it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women I make this noise just because I can And we'll all join in to that original sin So let's get rowdy and reckless Let's get rowdy and reckless Let's get rowdy and reckless Just for that Hello, and welcome to Old Man's Trick, the podcast of the Tailgate Society. Please check us out on the web at thetailgatesociety.com for pop culture, sports, music, movies, all types of fun stuff, podcasts, a ton of great podcasts. Please check us out. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? We're doing well. Lent's over. I'm two beers in. Tim doesn't know what he's doing on 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 the controls. I, I do off to an epic start. It is already an epic start. I had myself a little bit of a of a producer issue uh, to get going. It has been a very busy, trying in a good way, trying week. I am tired. Uh, I am sore. I have found that I have taken not one but two epsom salt soaks this week if that tells you what anything is going on and you are old it is only wednesday my entire body hurts my brain hurts um i poured myself a generous pour of of whiskey um and i might need to chase that with a coffee because i am i'm a hurting unit um how's how's your job going it's going great uh love it uh, back downtown again. So uh, I told my coworkers today, I, they were, I don't know, bantering about back and forth. And one of them said, you know, we're sorry if we're bothering you. And I was like, are you kidding? I was like, for eight months, I've sat at home all by myself, staring at, staring at computer screens with my dog around. So I'll take whatever kind of conversation you want to have at this point. <laughs> Anything's <laughs> welcome. He's getting a little stir crazy talking to myself. Uh, at least you didn't answer back, right? Oh, I did. I had a whole argument with myself. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Um, uh, excellent. Uh, well, I- I'm excited to get talking with our guest this evening. So, Chris, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Yeah. So uh, we don't know what the hell we're doing around here. So I thought maybe we'd bring on somebody that's got a lot of experience in in broadcasting and and podcasts and radio and and just generally knows what the fuck he's doing compared to what we're doing. So, uh, uh, Ross Peterson, KXNO, uh, Charterhouse Realty. Uh, Ross, thanks for hopping on and taking time out of your busy schedule. Man, thank you guys for inviting me very much. I appreciate it. My my dog Tatum, one of my two dogs, is uh, hanging out with me right now. So I can that appreciate dog, that, the... Uh... That dog looks like he's bigger than you are, Ross. He is bigger than me. There's no doubt about that. No. Uh, my wife was surprised to find out he's 87 pounds. Oh, jeez. Uh, Holy smokes. Tatum. 
Tatum. Yeah. Tatum is, I was going to say adorable, but 87 pounds is not adorable. <laughs> 87 pounds is like a seventh grader. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. right. It, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you, uh, the kind words that you say there, Chris, but um, that's, that's kind of funny because I, I still think of myself as a guy that doesn't know what the hell I'm doing or what, uh, what's going on and have kind of, you know, faked my way through it for all these years. So, Well, I, I'll tell you what brought, what brought the topic on to bring you on was because I think that you have kind of a cool story, right? Because this was not probably where you thought you would be when you were 18 year old, 19 year old Ross. Right. I mean, you, I think you've got a pretty good story. You're probably pretty modest about it and you've hinted about it a little bit uh, on radio or whatever, but um, I don't know that at 18, 19 years old, you thought what I want to do is work in radio market and sell real estate. Right. Yeah. Oh, real estate was never on the uh, horizon for me until 2020 happened. Um but radio was something that, I mean, I was always a sports kid and I loved helping out with the athletic departments. I was, you know, I tried to be an athlete for as long as I could. And, uh, I was a, a pretty nice kid to be around and I liked, um, all of the behind the scenes stuff that existed with, uh, with athletic departments. So even in high school, I would help out with, um, uh, Rick Powell and the East high athletic department. I do a lot of Obviously, we weren't broadcasting games and there's nothing like we do now with social media and all that. But um, I would go and do like the PA announcing for the sophomore or freshman games or go and keep book for uh, basketball games for the girls or, or boys basketball games. And um, I just always loved being a part of the production that had to happen um, in, in a sporting event. And uh, the radio thing was a really weird turn that happened in my life. It was pretty crazy. Um, I, I really got into radio because I helped a stranger in a snowstorm. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, it's a true story. I, uh, it was the, the winter of my senior year at East. I lived in Pleasant Hill and there was like one long haired hippie that lived in town. And, uh, my brother-in-law and I were out shoveling snow and, the long-haired hippie, his name was Jeff Blanchard. He came driving by, and the his truck couldn't get up the road. My brother-in-law went out and pushed him up the road and helped him get home. Um, and that was, we just waved at him and, you know, said, Merry Christmas or whatever. And then that summer, I had just graduated from high school, and uh, the long we had a block party, and the long-haired hippie came up to me, and he said, Hey, you're the kid that helped me this winter. And I said, yep. And he said, well, I work at a radio station and I hire people to go uh, around the city and do dances. So you're going to go do weddings or high school homecomings or proms or whatever. Uh, you know, any place that a DJ goes, you're going to get hired to go to those places. Um, and it was my mom was standing by me and he asked me what I was doing on Friday and Saturday nights. And my mom correctly answered, uh, he's getting in trouble. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so i uh i jumped at the opportunity to to do some stuff to, to make some money and to uh do some fun things um the jeff had a great line the day they hired me he said yeah you never get hired to dj a funeral you're always going to a party and um that has uh that that thing about you know you're always you're always going someplace to have fun that has kind of carried with me my whole life. I mean, 
uh, doing a radio show every day is kind of that same attitude. You know, you're, you, you I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. And then every day at three o'clock when we start to go on the air, I kind of remind myself like, this is a party. I mean, this is, uh, this is, there's in, in no way is this supposed to not be fun. So go have fun. And, uh, yeah, it was just a great, uh, a great opportunity for me. And I've tried to do everything I could to, um, take advantage of those opportunities and, and, and expand on them. And the real estate thing is really something that's been very new, but has been an incredible, incredible blessing for me and my family and, and everything. So yeah, it's a, it's a long story, man. It really is. It's, there's a lot of weaves and turns in there. Well, side note, I would like to know what it would be like to DJ a funeral. And I think when I die, I'm going to request that there be a DJ at the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I, imagine there won't be a shortage of people that won't want to celebrate that, Tim. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> I meant that in the nicest way. <laughs> celebrate my life, you mean. Celebrate way, my life, yes. In the nicest way. <laughs> oh, funny. Funny. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's cool. So you you mentioned that that real estate is is kind of it kind well not kind of new really new for you um but uh uh boy chris and i were talking before you hopped on about what real estate is like up here uh in the twin cities where i am at and how i couldn't uh i couldn't possibly buy the house the very first house i ever purchased and sold like six years ago if i wanted to buy that house back i couldn't even do it hey um, hold on real quick Caitlin's going to actually pay me money and I need people to actually like verify she's handing me money. That's never <laughs> happened before. Ross, this may be an odd thing for you, but my kid is actually going to pay me money that she owes me. So wow. this is exciting. This is an exciting part. Oh my gosh. Why does she have so many fives? 50, 55, 60, 80, 100. You still owe me $25. You know what? Let's just call it easy. Oh no, no! I need gas money. Oh my gosh! I, okay. Yeah, um, I I went and ate at a restaurant that she works at. I gave her a ten dollar tip. So technically, ten dollars <laughs> is what I just gave her in a tip a half an hour ago. Okay. Oh, uh, that's sorry. Funny. We can get back to the important stuff now. Uh, uh, no, that that that's perfect. It wouldn't be an old man's strength if Caitlin didn't interrupt us at one point. Uh, that's right. So that's perfect. Yeah, no. So I, I wanted to, to uh, I, I know it's not why we brought you on, but um, I, I, you, uh, you joined real estate at kind of a crazy time, honestly. Man. So it was something that um, in 2019, my friend, Mark Charter, who's my broker, had kind of started to plant the seed that he thought it was something I should do and would be successful at and kind of had uh, a lot of this, the, skills that a, a good realtor has i had in my toolbox already i was a maintenance man at an apartment complex my dad owned a hardware store um so i know my way around houses um i know i i know what repairs are i know you know the difference between a soffit and a fascia and whatnot so um th i have a lot of the skills and i had spent 20 plus years as a broadcaster and so i just kind of thought i was a broadcaster and you know, real estate was something that my friends did. And um, I had a podcast. I had a podcast called Missing in the Metro with Heather uh, Burnside and Paul Parisic. 
And I really thought that we were going to be able to make something great with that podcast. It was, uh, um, it was a cold case podcast for the Des Moines police department and we were super excited about it. And then, um, I kind of learned the, this corporate lesson that, uh, you know, your creative property belongs to your bosses. And yeah. that was, uh, that was a hard reality that, that to feel kind of maybe trapped in a way I thought, uh, this is, this sucks that I've done this really cool thing and got this created this really cool product and I will get nothing, uh, get nothing from it. And that bothered me a lot. And I was kind of venting to my friends and saying, you know, and I feel, feel like I'm just kind of stuck. And, um, that was when Mark finally was able to break the rock and he said, man, listen, go get your license. And this was fall of 2019. I ran it past a couple friends. Um, then made a couple promises to uh, uh, to my wife and and a couple of cousins and stuff. And I said, "Listen, I'm gonna um, I'm, I'm I am kind of a believer that if you put things in the universe, if you say things, your your brain's gonna do what it can to to make those things true." And so I just kind of threw a figure out and told my wife and a couple of close people in my life, "This is how much I want to make next year in some way, in some capacity. I'm either gonna sell podcasts or." Um, get out and just hustle and, and figure out a way to make this amount of money next year. And that was about the time that uh, um, Mark overheard me say this to somebody. And he said, I, this is how you're going to do that. Um, go get your real estate license and we're going to turn this thing, this machine on. Now that happened right around the same time that I was contemplating this, the same time that I'm doing my online classes is when January 15th of 2020 happened. And I was fired from the radio station for 28 hours. Uh, that that hit the gas on that. Like, in, in, I mean, that was gas on the fire. Um, and it was amazing. It, it, it was, it turned into a cliche where the worst day of my life turned into the best day of my life. The, um, the moment that I stepped out into that unknown um, I found a staircase that led to a better place and it was amazing and awesome. And, uh, um, I tell people all the time, I wish I would have done it 10 years ago, but, uh, truth is that I, I, I know all, all the, all the pieces were in place for me at that time. And it was probably a great thing that I didn't start real estate before I did. And it's certainly been a great thing that I started it when I did because getting in right before the pandemic, um, yeah, it was, it's been a great, it's been a crazy world. And I've talked to a lot of realtors, obviously, who were realtors for a decade before 2020. And they all say, this is insane. This is crazy. And a lot of them say, if you can do this now and you can, and you can be successful right now, um, when it's a normal market, boy, you're really going to do well. So, uh, the fact that I've had success here in these first couple of years and, um, uh, it's, it's been a lot of hard work, but it's been, rewarded and rewarding so it's fun to challenge myself it's fun to reinvent myself it's been um it's been awesome it's just uh i'm a lucky lucky guy guys i really am in in, in several ways i'm uh, got an awesome wife got awesome kids i got awesome job uh, at the radio station i mean i love that it's 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 a dream come true uh, so i'm a lucky fella really am you know, you uh, you touched on something that I think is kind of an important part of that was uh, the worst day of your life turned out to be the best day of your life. <clears throat> That's all in perspective as, as far as how you can take things that hit you in life. I've always said 
when I uh, got sick and, and got cancer. Um, 2017 was probably the best best year of my life. And a lot of people kind of like think, well, that's crazy to hear. You know, you were sick all the time. You were, you know, went through chemo and radiation. But I found out who I was then. I found out what I could accomplish. I found out the kind of man that I was. And I found out what amazing friends and a life that I had. And I never would have found that if that wouldn't have happened to me. Right. So it's all how you perspectively look at that as far as blessings and, and curses. I can tell you 10 years ago, just like you said, 10 years ago, if 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 10 years ago, Chris would have got cancer, I would have curled up in a ball and cried and, and said, why? Why me? And felt sorry for myself because I was in a different spot in life. You Man, Chris, that's a. Uh that uh, you find out what kind of man you are. You find out those people in your life that have your back, that uh, um, the most amazing thing that happened to me in my, and maybe in my lifetime um, was that day that I got fired because people like you, Chris, that reached out to me to say, thank you for, uh, you know, all the work that you did. Thanks for entertaining us or whatever it was. Just thanks for being there for the period of time that you were it brought me to tears so many times okay i mean it was the most humbling and amazing experience to feel appreciated like that and i hope i i I try to i try to pour that back onto people as often as i can because i know how amazing that felt to feel uh appreciated but when you say the thing about you, you find out what kind of man you are the one of the most amazing things that's happened to me over these last couple of years, Chris, has been, um, you know, before before this all went down, I would say maybe pre-pandemic, I had a lot of people in my life that um, were, you know, owned businesses. They were entrepreneurs. They were butt kickers. They were really good at business. And they were all very impressed with me. And they were like, oh, Rossi, you're going to be but I was a wimp. I was such a wimp. Um, these last couple of years, there's been a resolve that's that's formed in me. And I've and now I notice that like when I go into meetings at the radio station with people that I've had meetings with for 16 years, I'm a completely different person. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But when you just said that, Chris, it reminds me so much of that. Like I have a uh, it, it, it did change me. Now, I think it's changed me for the better. A lot of people in my life think it's changed me for the better. There have been times when that change has um, manifested in some pretty bad ways in those meetings with people that um, aren't used. You know, for 16 years, they saw one person, and now for the last two, they've seen a different one. And um, again, I think it's all great. I would I'd, I'd echo everything you said. I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't ever want to put what I went through in a 28 hour period. In in the perspective of what you went through fighting cancer, um, where it's a it's truly life and death, and you're you're fighting with this for months, and um, you know every you have the time to contemplate all of those relationships in your life, right? Uh, but in some weird way, that was my moment to like uh, that my moment of perspective, I guess is what it is, right? That that moment of uh, you take inventory and realize how lucky you are realize how cool all this is and how much you want to work for it and fight for it and yeah it's a 
perspective is an amazing, an amazing thing. You know, everybody's uh, real quick, Tim, everybody's yeah. crux in life is important to them, regardless of whether or not it's, you know, a job loss for one person or, or cancer for another in your mind, that's just as important. So I, I don't, I, I certainly don't think that mine was any more important than anybody else's. That was just my crux in life that happened that kind of shocked me into, into, I can do this and I can, and I, and I know what? who I am and I know what I can do, which has turned around to make my professional life even better. I mean, the new job that I have now, uh, I don't know that I would have, if I wouldn't have went through, I went, what I went through four years ago, because I wouldn't, I would have never taken a chance for, to, to take this job. So, which, uh, you know, side note is kind of funny. Uh, my boss is a very good, uh, is the wife of a very good friend of yours. Josh Fisher. Josh Fisher. Oh, you're kidding me. No. Um, Josh and Rachel love them. Yeah. yeah. His wife is my new boss. So. Wow. That's uh, very cool. Yeah. yeah, Love Josh and Rachel to death. They're awesome people. That's awesome. So, yeah, I was supposed to tell you hi. So there's, there's my. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I I appreciate both of you guys saying that. I think uh, we all have. Uh, ways that we define ourselves as, as much as as you know people like to say i can't be nailed down as any one thing i think ultimately we all kind of find our identity through definition right and, and i think no matter what it is that kind of shakes up your understanding of what your identity is right where you think oh um uh, I'm a radio guy. All of a sudden, hey, maybe I'm not a radio guy. So, so who am I? And I think that's when you take stock of what those things that you really identify. Because so many times, you meet someone new. What's the first question you ask them? Oh, what do you do? Right? Yeah. You, you never ask anybody who they are. You ask them what they do. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's the easy way that we all kind of identify ourselves. And I think, I think. Um, you know, a job becomes a shorthand, but it's not who we are. And I think once I first learned that I'm not my job uh, was probably uh, as enlightening as just about anything else that I could probably understand it as an adult. Um, but it just and, took me way too long to learn. Tim, some people never realize it. You know what I mean? Some people never, ever. I didn't for a long time. And I was, I was always going to be Ross, the radio guy. Always. I was mm-hmm. always going to be. Um, like, quite frankly, it was going to be the poor guy. I mean, my wife and I had resigned ourselves to this life of, you know, near poverty or whatever, where, but it was okay because we were happy and I liked my job and I was good at my job. And there was no way my boss was ever going to fire me because I didn't make any money and I could do everything at the, at the <laughs> building. And then, all, and then all of a sudden you walk out the door and you go, oh crap, I got to re, yeah, I got to reassess this thing really quickly because there's two kids at home and, and a wife that's looking. So it was, it's, it's all been worth it. It's all been amazing. And, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with where I am right now with all of it. So you got a little bit of work ethic there, Ross, that you worked for your dad in his store, didn't you for a while? Yes. I, uh, so, um, my dad owned a hardware store in Pleasant Hill 
my dad was is a really hard worker. He's a, a Vietnam veteran, and he's always been. Um, he worked for UPS for a while. That was what moved them to Des Moines. But from the time I was about six, dad was um, doing his own thing. He owned a, uh, owned a hardware store. He owned a pressure washing company for a while. Um, he owned a little construction company where we remodeled houses and did additions to homes and things like that. And um, yeah, he was, uh, I, 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 I watched my dad work very hard my whole life. Uh, hi puppy. Hi puppy. Uh, my mom and my mom, the same way. My mom worked, was a, uh, a, a psych tech at an adolescent psych ward. So again, that perspective thing was always in our life of, we knew that we were lucky. We knew that mom and dad loved us and we had a safe home. And um, the days that we would start to forget that, it was really easy to remember that you were you, you were lucky, that, that not everybody had those things because, um, you know, mom could, mom could take you to work and show you the, the worst parts of society and dad could take you to work and, 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 and work your knuckles so they were bloody. And it gave us a really good look at what, um, what that looked, what that was like, I guess. So my mom was a really hard worker too. She worked until she was diagnosed with cancer, um, it, right before I got fired. So December of 2019, and then was dead in the fall by by the fall of 2020. So uh, that was um, she worked until she worked until she was basically diagnosed. I mean, just a couple months before. Uh, she died. She was still working. So she was a hard worker too. So I, I, I certainly picked up on that and I'm trying to make sure my kids see that same thing for me, but uh, with also appreciating my love and getting my time. Yeah, um, I think I was very sorry to hear about your mom. Oh, I appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was you, you, you've been there, man. It's, um, it's a tough, tough thing to go through, but, uh, hopefully in this wicked weird way we all go through it because it's a hell of a lot better than the other way around so yeah so so i you know one of the themes i think for this podcast is 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 role models and and you talked a lot about uh your your parents being uh role models sometimes i think you know when chris tells stories about working for his dad sometimes uh, it's a role model of, of who to be and sometimes it's maybe a role model of maybe exhibiting different characteristics. Not yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, are, are there any stories of, of, of working for your dad that, that maybe stick out in particular? Oh, dude, tons of them. Uh, yeah. You want the good or the bad? I mean, uh, I we we want it all. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, we could probably do this all night, man. Talk about uh, what it was like to work for, for dad. So, I also have an older yeah. brother who's four years older than me and is another hero of mine. My brother is, uh, um, my, my brother and my sister are both like Disney character animators came into my life and drew these people up. They're just amazing. Um, so I had my brother with me while I was working with my dad this whole time. Um, we, this is, late nineties, early two thousands, uh, cell phones are just kind of a new thing. And my dad bought us cell phones. Now, when I say my dad bought us cell phones, what I mean is 
we got to carry cell phones that my dad paid for. And if we didn't answer them when my dad called, <laughs> that's what I mean by it was my cell phone was I carried it. And when he rang, I had to answer. I think our dads uh, might've been the same guy. So Chris, we're, we're working out an apartment complex one day and my dad is just blowing my brother up, just calling, buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. And we had this great big scissor lift. We were, we were uh, going around and working and, and replacing stuff up on the siding of this, these apartment complexes. And uh, my brother took that scissor lift out to the middle of the parking lot. It was a calm day, so it was nothing scary here. He took that scissor lift up as high as it would go. And I mean, he was maybe, I don't know, I want to say 40, 50 feet in the air. And he dropped that cell phone. <laughs> and I mean, oh, and it did it in purpose. It was like I'm, I'm sick of dad calling me every five minutes. Oh. Those cell- guys, those cell phones were bricks. Oh like yeah, thing, oh yeah. That thing landed, bang! And it bounced and bounced and bounced. And before my brother could get the scissor lift down, it was ringing. In the <laughs> <of that>. <laughs> <laughs> I could, there, there were so many, you know, my, one of my dad's uh, things, Chris was he hated being told like, calm down or chill out or anything like that. You know, he hated that. And I know, and I mean, obviously all of us hate it when you're amped up and you're pissed off and you've got a reason to be pissed off and some schmuck or pencil neck goes, Hey man, chill out, dude, relax, man. And I was always that pencil neck. I was always the one that was dad. (laughs) Again, man, like, you know, uh, dad is intense intense dude and that was always one that he would you know when he'd get really freaking out at a time he didn't have to i'd go dad dad chill out man chill out oh yeah 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 chill out chill out yeah 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 chill out i go man i felt like he was gonna beat me up every time i told him chill out or something like that it was uh yeah it was always it was always interesting working with dad and brother i just think it's so funny i my dad grew up on the east side he was an east sider and I, I don't know if it's the water or, or what have you, but he would sit in his store and it was his store. You, I'm sure, Raj, you heard this, right? I pay the bills around here. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. I'm going to run it the way I want. You just do yeah. what I tell you. I'll pay the bills. And he, people would come in there. And if, if they even slightly, like, I, like somebody would say, well, I can buy that at Best Buy for, you know, $10 cheaper. Well, then take your ass to fucking Best Buy. You know, I mean, he had no filter. <laughs> and I'd be like, Dad, you cannot talk to people that way. Like, you cannot talk to people that way. And he just did not. There was no filter. He didn't care. It was a good price. If you wanted to buy it, great. If you didn't, I didn't. Yeah. he didn't give a fuck. Get out of the store. I, I can't tell you how many times he would kick somebody out of the store. Chris, just did you for, have employees? Did, yeah, did me other, and other employees. Me, we had one guy that worked there for the longest time, um, but mostly it was it was it was me and family or or, or whatever else. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, re- I remember one particular day I, I went to Dad's house and it had been raining and we did construction and it had been raining for three or four days straight and we just didn't have a lot of work going on. But I pulled into Dad's driveway and one of Dad's workers was cleaning my dad's truck. He was like getting the garbage out of my dad's truck. And I walked up and I'm like, Brian, what are you what are you doing, man? He's like, I showed up for work today and your dad told me to clean his truck. 
He's like, what? He's like, yeah, man, Dad, Dad told me to clean his truck. So I went inside, and I'm like, Dad, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why do you got Brian out there cleaning your truck? And Dad's like, what do you mean? Well, that seems kind of, I mean, like, kind of demeaning, I feel like. You know what I mean? You're, you have the guy, like, clean out your truck. And he went fucking nuts, Chris. He's like, <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Oh, am I his boss? Do I, do I get to tell Brian what to do? He went outside. He's like, Brian, Brian, hey, do you want to work today? Do you want to get paid for your work today? And Brian, Brian, of course, he, Brian had nothing to do with it. It was all my doing. I was being Brian was just doing his job. You want to work today? You want to get paid for your work today? And Brian's like, yeah, yeah, what's going on? Oh, Ross doesn't think I should have you clean in my truck. And Brian's like, shut up, Ross. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, mean, the, so I can appreciate that, too. I mean, that that, that is a, a, a different generation, right? Where, you know, the boss had, had their employees pick up their dry cleaning and all these other personal errands and all yeah. these other things that we wouldn't today even dream of having someone you know buy an anniversary gift for a wife or you're you know do all right. these other things right like it it does it doesn't even cross my mind that i would ever ask an employee to do anything other than very directly related to what they were hired to do uh so it's so crazy to me but that's I, that generation just feels like yeah and like i look at it now as exactly the way you described their team like he meant nothing. He meant no harm from it. He was mm. doing the guy a favor. You know, this dude, this dude's right. got a family he's feeding too. And, you know, dad's looking at it as I can't pay you to go watch concrete dry. You know, right. so yeah. I can put $10 an hour in your pocket if you come here and you vacuum out my truck. And that's something that can be done. It helps makes my life easier. Like now as an adult, I, I can understand it. But in that moment of, oh my God, you're making this guy vacuum your truck? God, he's a skilled laborer. And he's, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can do stories like this all day with you, Chris. I, they're, they're rushing oh, back I, into my brain now. I, I've said, I've said a hundred times that I swear to God, they stuck a camera in our store and that was the roadmap <laughs> for the show American Chopper with, with the Tuttles. Cause I would watch that show and I'd be like, that's my dad and I. Like we would yep. fight all day long. He'd come back there, tell me how to do my job. I'd tell him to take his ass back upstairs and go back in his office and let me do the yep. real work here. Because if it wasn't for me, this place would fall apart. <laughs> I mean, those are, you know, I, I'm really running this show, Dad. You don't even know how to run the POS system. I was telling Tim beforehand, we were talking about jury duty. I got called for jury duty once. And my dad was like, you need to get out of it. Because he didn't know how to run the, the, the point of sale software. Right. Somebody wanted to buy something. He didn't know how to he didn't know how to run the invoice software. So if he went a whole day without me there to ring something up. So he literally early cell phone time, he would call me while I'm in the courtroom waiting for my number to be called. And I finally called him back on lunch. I was like, what do you want? He's like, did you get out of it yet? They haven't even called my name, dad. Well, you need to get out of it. I need you here. Well, what do you want me to do? You want me to just start yelling racial epithets in the middle of the court? I mean, that's about the only thing I can do to get out of it. And I really don't want to get my ass kicked in here. So just yeah, I'll probably get charged with a hate crime. So right, like he just his concept was is I needed you here to do this. So you, I don't know why you're there. 
but you couldn't explain it to him in a rational sense that I can't exactly just walk out of the courtroom when I'm on jury duty. Uh, I've had jury duty a couple times, and yeah, they people think that getting out of jury duty is much easier than getting out of jury duty is. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. Not. Yeah, yeah. I've I've done jury duty twice, and first of all, you're sitting in a, in a room with a hundred other people who also don't want to be there. <laughs> right, exactly. uh, um, <laughs> right. It's it, you're not the one clever guy that's gonna go up to whoever is working the 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 main desk where they sign people in and wink and charm your way out of there. Yeah. No, you got to sit there and you got to do your crossword puzzle or read your book or doom scroll on Twitter on your phone or whatever until your number is called, if it's called at all. And at the very end of the day, they're going to say, if we didn't call your name, come back tomorrow. And they only called like four names. So you got to come back tomorrow and do it all over again. And then by the time you do get assigned to something, well, you might get there. And then there's a the whole process of you sit in this room. Then you sit in another room. Then you sit in another room. And then you go and you sit down and, and, a, and an attorney asks you questions. Then you go back and you sit in a room. Then you go back into the court and a different attorney asks you questions. <laughs> then you go sit in a room. And you've lost an entire day. And you've never had a chance to say, hey, no. Like you could literally be like, yeah, my wife could go into labor any second. Now you have zero opportunity to say that for like three days straight. And then finally, like right as a trial's about to begin, they're like, hey, does anyone have any reason why why they can't do this? And it's like, yes, I've been bleeding profusely from both of my ears. Yeah. My wife is, is, is in labor and and, and I, I think. Uh, um, I am dying. Could you do this? And they're like, okay, we need to take a second to discuss this. You, you, you the only people that can get out of jury duty right away are, are just abject criminals and are probably racist. Yeah. I think that an attorney might know, like you said, those magic words to use in those first moments to get yourself cleared. But man, when I was working for WHO radio and doing it, the Jan Michelson program, which is a, like was a conservative Christian call-in show, a very opinionated thing. The first time I got jury duty, everybody at work was like, well, just go in and tell them that you work in media because you can't be on a jury if you work in the media. It's like, oh, okay, well, that'll be easy. So I did the same thing to him. I walked in there that first day, you know, chest peacocking out. I went walking up to that gate and that girl sitting behind, you know, she's sitting there typing wearing computer. I said, uh, yeah, this, uh, there's, there's been some sort of mistake. Um, I'm in the media. I'm in the media. I'm kind of a big deal. I don't know. I'm you kind of a big deal. I'm not sure if you know. I'm 19 years old. I'm a producer. And uh, I can remember her like looking up at me with that exact same thing that you're talking about there. That that dumb look like, you idiot. Every, all 900 people here think that there's somebody special. And it's like, okay, cool. You work in media. Now go sit down until we call your number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, your highness, go sit with everyone yeah, else. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll lead into my next question because you talked about um, working for Jan Michelson's show. Um, yeah. How did how did you get started uh, in actual radio? How did that work? And then now you're you know sitting in a in a chair that symbolically Jim Zobel sat in. Yeah. And that's pretty, pretty cool. Let's, let's kind of talk about how you got from one spot to the other. Yeah. So the, um, 
the the mobile DJ thing was a super fun foot in the door, right? And then my friend Jeff, he had pitched in high school and they had won a state title and he had pitched in the state championship in Wisconsin. So I loved talking baseball with Jeff and he was a musician and I loved talking music with him. So I would go down every day to Star 102.5 and 1350 KRNT Laser. That was the radio station that I worked for at the time. A guy named Steve Gibbons was the program director for 1350 KRNT, where the Cubs are broadcast. And in the summer of, so I graduated in 96, um, started doing that, the, the DJ thing in the summer of 96 into 97. By the summer of 97, the radio station has come to me and asked me to basically produce the Chicago Cubs baseball games. So it was an old school patch board system. I mean, like when you think of the old um, operator lady sitting in a room with a whole bunch of cords and you say, I want to talk to Chris Shipley and she un unplugs a wire and plugs it into another socket. That's literally what I was doing on, on Cubs games. So mm -hmm. when Pat Hughes and Ron Santa would go to break, I would unplug the patch, plug it into my computer and then play the commercials that I had lined up and I thought that I was, you know, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that they were paying me to listen to baseball. That quickly evolved into, um, KJJY, a country radio station, um, wanted me to come on the radio and do weekend overnights. So I would basically go on at 10 o'clock at night, stay on till six in the morning. And that was just, I mean, literally saying the names and songs, the names and, and artists songs we would say that was reba mcintyre here's garth brooks and hit the next <laughs> and again there i thought i was casey Kasem. i thought it was the greatest thing ever uh during that time i'm working for my dad um my dad usually listened to talk radio a lot of npr um and then we would listen to the farm show Jan occasionally. My dad was not a very conservative guy. Jan is very conservative. And so my dad would get upset listening to Jan sometimes. And so it wasn't, as you know, Chris, you're already fighting anyway. So nobody's mad for right. a little fire. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. my brother and I would just kind of uh, either listen to Jan on our own or, um, or do our own thing. Now, that the radio thing I just thought was going to be a part time deal. Um, I was working at KJJY in a station called 98 Rock. They were 98.3 FM. Uh, that's when I got a job as a maintenance man at an apartment complex. It was, a, it was a wife of a guy I worked with at the radio station. In fact, Eddie Hatfield from Hatfield and McCoy. His wife sure. ran an apartment complex and they needed a maintenance man. And I was 19. I wanted to actually make money and not just do this radio thing on the weekend. My mom and dad were encouraging me because I wasn't going to college, obviously. Um, they were encouraging me to kind of get going in the workforce and not live in their basement anymore. <laughs> so I took this job, took this job as a maintenance man, and I kind of started to step away from radio. Uh, the radio, the, the maintenance man thing, while I was doing that, a couple of my friends went to work for Wells Fargo, and they were doing really well. Um, I was a maintenance man in an apartment complex. I wasn't doing well. I didn't like it. 
I knew it wasn't going to be my career. I thought there was something more for me. And so uh, I quit the blue collar stuff, set my hammer down, turned in my Leatherman and uh, put on a tie and went to work for Wells Fargo. And I worked at Wells Fargo Financial for three or four years from 99 until 2002. And uh, in 2002, I became disenchanted with that job. I couldn't stop thinking about radio. I loved it. I, I thought I was good at it. Um, and I just knew that I was going to be miserable if I decided to give my life to Wells Fargo Financial. So I put in my... Here's another crazy story of, of how I landed at WHO. Um, I went and had dinner with my dad, and I told him I'm I'm not happy. I don't like my job. It's it's changed, and I don't want to be. I don't want to do this. I want to be this guy, like you said, Tim. Like I, I I imagined myself in five years, and somebody says, "What do you do?" Oh, mm -hmm. I, I'm a bill collector. No, I can't. I don't want to look in the mirror and say that. I want to be something else. I want something else, something extraordinary. Uh, so I talked to my dad, and my dad said, you were really good at radio. You love doing radio. You should find a way to try to follow that passion again. In fact, a guy that we go to church with just quit his job as a salesman at WHO Radio. I was like, well, you know, we always used to listen to Jan, and I, 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 I like WHO, I love Zobble, like Chris was saying. Listen to the Hawk games all the time. This might be worth a shot. Uh, this this would be if that's the extraordinary thing. Yep, that's going to tickle my fancy. So I reached out to this guy. His name is Glenn Hansen. He was, my sister is a, an associate pastor at a church. He's an associate pastor there. So we had a little bit of a connection, and I just picked up the phone and said, I used to work in radio, and I want to get back into radio. I'm really miserable at my job right now. What do you think is now a good time? Is 2002 a good time to get into radio? And he said um, a couple of things, but the first thing he said that I've, I've said a couple of times to you guys is that I'm really lucky. I'm a really, really lucky guy because Glenn was college roommates with the general manager at the radio station. So he hadn't just quit as a salesperson there. He was deep personal friends with the person in charge of the whole building. And he said, uh, another thing that you're lucky about Ross is I know that a guy is quitting the station. They need to hire a person to make commercials. So do you know how to make commercials? And I did because my time at KRNT producing the Chicago Cubs games during those long summer days, when the Cubs were on, I would go and find out what people did. I found out how to be an FM DJ and how to make commercials and what it was like to do talk radio. And I would sit there and just try to absorb as much as I could. So I knew I could make commercials. So he got me in touch with the general manager. I told the general manager, here's my passions. Here's my skills. This is what my, my goals would be. Um, I'm Des Moines through and through, and I want to make my life here. I've got a wife. I want to start a family. And this is, I think that, you know, WHO would be a, a dream spot for me and he said well you you're right that Glenn is my was my roommate and my friend he speaks highly of you you're also right that we are hiring um somebody that is going to be the assistant for Jack Emerson now if you're a Des Moines guy you know Jack Emerson <laughs> is Casey Kasem like he is the yeah. man for Des Moines radio right 
I believe so, he's the voice of God, is what I've been told. I love you, Chris. I love and and, and 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 Jack has over the years become a very dear friend of mine, and I love him so. I'm so lucky. My very first CD player, I won from Jack Emerson when I was 12 years old on KGGO. Uh, he loves that story. So, um, so my this this Joel McRae says to me, uh, Jack Emerson needs an assistant, and I'm going to talk to Jack about getting you an interview. So I'm over the moon, Chris. I'm like, I'm I'm over the moon. I'm gonna work for Jack Emerson. There's no way. So I go to Wells Fargo and I'm sitting with my lunch friends and I'm just talking. And I said, guys, you're not gonna believe this, man. I, I reached out to this guy, he's the general manager's college roommate, told me that I could talk to this guy, talk to the general manager. Jack Emerson is is needing to hire an assistant. And one of my dear friends at Wells Fargo, a guy that was in my wedding, he's sitting at the table with me, and he says, wait a minute. Jack Emerson, who used to work at KGGO? I said, yeah. He says, Ross, I know his wife. I went to I went to high school with his wife, Luann, and I know her cell phone number. So he picks his cell phone up while we're sitting at the table. He makes a phone call. Hey, Luann, this is John Michelson. How you doing? It's great to talk to you. How have you been? Hey, I know this is going to seem like it's out of the blue. Is your husband hiring an assistant? And his eyes light up and he says, he is? Well, I know the guy he needs to hire. His name is Ross Peterson. He's a great kid. He'd be awesome. So about two or three days later, I get a phone call from Jack Emerson. And he says, I want you to come down and talk to me. And, and, I, and I thought I was going down for an interview. So I put on best clothes I had. I, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to prepare myself. I get down to the radio station. I'm I'm walked in the door. They start to introduce me to people. I'm introduced to Van Harden and Bonnie Lucas and Keith Kirkpatrick and Lee Klein. And I mean, I am, I'm as starstruck in, with local celebrities as a kid can be because I know all of these people. And at one point, Jack kind of turns to me and says, Hey, this is where your office is. This is, this is the studio that you're going to make commercials in. This is the person that, that you're going to go to to get your work orders from. And it like starts to click with me. Like I have a job. I'm not, I'm not here for an interview. I'm, this is like, this is like orientation. I mean, they are, there's, there's not questions. I'm not being interviewed. They are literally walking me through and saying, here's your mailbox. Chris, this is, this is my new assistant. Uh, Julie, this is my new assistant. And I'm just, and I'm playing along. I'm going along. Going, yeah. Hi everybody. The, the, the interview portion was that you showed up and looked semi-normal. So as I'm walking out, Tim, he says, uh, he says, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll see you on Monday. Right. And I said, yep. And he said, Hey, before you go, I want to ask you something. How did you do this? <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? How, how'd I do what? He's like, you know, you, and I, and I, I, I missed it in a, a part of this story. When I hung up the phone with the guy from the church at the very beginning, he said, tell everybody what you're going to do. Tell everybody that you're going to go back into radio and that you're going to find a job and you're going to be successful. So one of the first people I had called was KJJY, the radio station that I worked for. Okay. So in the process, buddy, we, Hey, can I you turn that down for me? In the process of um, uh, of telling the people at KJJY that I was going to do this thing, going to go back into radio, telling the 
um, getting in contact with Joel McRae. At, what Joel did was Joel called KJJY and said, hey, I think we need to hire somebody to replace Cam and be Jack's assistant. Do you know anybody? And my buddy there said, yeah, Ross Peterson. Ross used to work here and he wants to get back into radio. You should hire him. That was what got me on the phone with that Joel McRae also. So now I'm in Jack's office and Jack says, how did you do this? I said, what do you mean? He says, well, we had a guy quit and that we made one phone call to another radio station and they gave us one name and it's your name. And then my boss got a phone call from his best friend that said to hire you. And then I went home and my <laughs> wife told me to hire you. <laughs> it's like I, I went from having never heard your name to having everybody in my, to, to having my wife, my boss, and the one reference I called tell me that you were the guy I was supposed to hire. How did you do this? And man, I, you know, I don't, God, I, the universe did it for me. I don't even know. I'm, I, I am it. a lucky, lucky, lucky guy. And, um, that's that was that was my answer that day and it's my answer this day of like I can't explain it. Um, I I tell myself that that the universe wanted me to be in that place at that time. Chris uh Chris and I have talked a, a bit before about how a surprisingly small so we spend all this time teaching high schoolers interview skills, interview skills, interview skills. And those are important, don't get me wrong. Uh but <sighs> I mean, the number of jobs that are made through connections oh. versus actually just, you know, cold applying, cold interviews like we please teach high schoolers interview skills, teach them networking skills like, like mm-hmm. those, Amen, are, th- yeah. those are just as important, if not more. Yeah. So I get a chance from time to time to go speak to the students at each time. And um, my message to freshmen is try everything do everything that's available to you at a high school because you don't know what you're going to love to do. So do mock trial, be on the debate team, run cross country, do, do the things that you don't think are for you because you might do them and fall in love with them and think they're the greatest thing ever. My message to seniors is a lot. What, what you just said there, like your network is bigger than you will ever imagine. You, it's bigger than you could ever fathom. And it can work for you in ways that will blow your mind. Here's my best story about my network. And it goes to when I was a senior in high school. And my, my son is sitting here with me. So he's going to hear this story for the first time. I've, I've told you about when I mooned the bus. Okay, so it's not the first time. He's, he's not the first time he's heard this story. Okay, so <laughs> my senior year in high school... My buddies, uh, their girlfriends are on the softball team. We're going and supporting the softball team. We're at a game, and Southeast Polk beats East at East. We didn't. It was a close call at the end of the game. We thought that the Scarlets had gotten jobbed on it, and so we're kind of angry with the game, how it turned out. We get in our car. We're driving back towards Pleasant Hill. After we had waited after the game, my buddies talked to their girlfriends and whatnot. And as we're driving back down University Avenue, we see the bus for the Southeast Polk softball team. And I see this as this is our moment to exact revenge. They might have won the game, but we're going to win the war. And how we're going to do that is 
you go drive by the bus and I'm going to stick my ass out of the window and we're going to moon the bus as we drive by it. My buddies are all on board. They're like, yeah, do it. Here we go. So I put my <laughs> little piddly ass, stand up on the seat of my friend's Ford probe, stick my ass out the window and we drive by the bus and we're right at near the fairgrounds on University Avenue going eastbound and we hit a light and the bus stops and my buddy is in traffic and the bu- and we stop next to the bus. <laughs> so now as I sit back down and pull my pants back up, all of these people, and I mean, I, I, went, I grew up in Lozenhill, so I know all of these kids, all of these girls are pressed against the window and they're laughing and pointing, and, you know, <laughs> I didn't care. It wasn't, it, I, I wasn't embarrassed because I don't get embarrassed for easy. So we drive to Pleasant Hill, drop some folks off, do some things. It's maybe an hour later. And my friends drop me off at my house. And as we pull in the driveway, my dad is in the driveway. And uh, it's like, you know, I get out of the car. All right, see you guys. See you later. All right, yep, see you tonight. My dad says, hey, uh, what have you been doing? <laughs> we, were at the, we were at the softball game. Riding around with my buddies. Anything happen while you're riding around with your buddies? <laughs> like, no, Dad. What are you? What are you talking about? No, no. Oh, you didn't uh, show your ass to a school bus full of young girls. <laughs> <laughs> this is 1996. Like, there's no way. There's no way he doesn't even have a cell phone. Like, what? right, right. This is not possible. How, how does, how is, how do you know this? One of the, the, one of the dads on the bus was one of my dad's buddies. Like the guy chaperoning the bus trip that day happened to be a friend of my dad's. And of course, as soon as he got off the bus, drove to dad's house and said, I just saw Ross's ass hanging out of the window. And I, but I, so I tell that story as like a way of your network is so big. Right. And, and and you can use it for good. If you are good to people, if you maintain relationships. When I graduated from East High, I graduated with a plumber, an electrician, a guy that drives a concrete truck, a framer, a roofer. I have all of the connections in my life to have a home built. Because I've kept those connections. You know what I mean? I've maintained those friendships and my network is strong. Because I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to be nice. I've tried to help out people when I could. And yeah, that I, my message to seniors is like, first of all, nurture your network. When you, if you have a relationship in that class, if you are a senior in high school and you can look around the room and say, I don't like that person, fix that relationship. Also, don't do, do it like, do it, do it now because that person will be somebody in your life that you're going to want to call on at some point. And if you can, if you can nurture those and then fester those good relationships, right. And build it and build it and build it. You will be amazed at what sort of community is there for you. Uh, and I've seen it. I've, I see it play out all the time in my life. That way. We, I mean, we, we kicked off this pod, but with Chris talking about how uh, you guys know each other, but how you have a, a mutual connection in common. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, yeah. that stuff. And so when they say it's not what you know, it's who you know, 
sometimes people got to remember that cuts both ways, right? Yeah, you're right. It's sometimes you might be the most qualified person in the world, but somebody that you were an asshole to is going to submarine your ability to get that job. Right. And yeah. so th- th- those kids have to have to understand that that I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like, first of all, man, I've burnt my fair share of bridges and there are some relationships yeah, we all where, where well, and, and, and some I don't even regret. Right. Like some of them, it's like, I know that's a relationship that, you know what, man, if I'm ever in a position where I have to ask that guy for a job, then I need to go find something different. Like like there there are some like there are some relationships where I have just said, you know what, man, I did not care to work for that person or deal with that person again. And if I'm ever going to have to use them as a connection, then that's not going to be the right fit for me because something's wrong. Right. So that's fine. I'm not saying don't ever burn bridges. But what I am saying is be careful about who you talk to, how you talk to them, because you might need to use them. Uh, you know, I, I've I've got a connection right now from grad school that's trying to 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 work with me to to acquire a business. And uh, it's become kind of a challenging relationship. And, and people just need to remember that, like your interaction I might be a very different person than I was 10 years ago and someone else might be a very different person than they were 10 years ago. But that interaction I had with them 10 years ago is going to be what really matters. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Tim. I'll touch on a couple of those things, Ross. Number one is, is we had John Miller on uh, two weeks ago uh, and we asked him what was he most proud of personally? And his answer was, is that I, I probably burned a lot of cars, but I never burned any bridges, which I thought was really profound. Uh, and, and, and that's, you know, you, you can have certain uh, issues that happen or whatever, but when you do the right thing and you try to do the right thing as best as you can, then those relationships are still there when you can, you know, when you can lean back on them. As far as your story about WHO, uh, I, just want to say thank you for telling us that because I, I, I it's so interesting to hear people talk about their passion and their dream and what they want to go do and that's kind of what we like to talk about on this podcast and for me I can only speak for me this is one of my passions is you know two years ago when we started this no way in a million years would I ever think that I'd be in a position where I'd get to to meet and talk to people that I like and admire uh, you're one of them, Chris. When we had Chris Williams on a couple weeks ago, I look up to Chris and what he and what his network is. Don't 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 tell him that. I don't want him to to get to. Yeah, we don't tell we don't tell Chris those things. <laughs> uh, well, you, know, uh, you know, never in a million years did I think that I'd get to sit down and have a conversation with Marcus Pfizer or or Dan McCarney or frankly next week when we talk to Jamie Pollard. I mean, that's yeah. pretty surreal to me. Um, and I won't what lie a tough and job. say that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like it's, you know, and, and I wouldn't lie and say that Tim and I, you know, haven't talked funny how, you know, there, there's certainly is a, a Hawkeye sound off. There isn't a cyclone <laughs> one. We, we'd be up for it, you know? And, and here's a, here's a crazy thing. I've never told anybody this, but last year I sent a cold email to Andrew Downs and said, I don't know. I've not heard anything about a cyclone sound off, but if you're just looking for a host, I know a guy and I would do it. Yeah. And, his, and he responded his, back. 
he responded back and said, I got, I got to say, I love your guts, but it's not, <laughs> it's not that simple, you know? And there was other reasons why. Yeah. And I yep. was like, well, I'm just telling you, I'm waiting in the wings. That's what I told him. But I thought, what am I going to lose sending that email? Right. Like that's, I, I'm not, what, I'm not out anything. What, and, and I'm so glad you did that because what, uh, what Andrew and I love more than anything is the want. Like the desire is the only thing that ever got Andrew and I in that door and to the places that we are is we wanted to do it. And, and we had the, the guts to stand up and say, like, you know, when I'm working at Wells Fargo, Andrew was, and when you talked to him, maybe he told you, he's like credits away from graduating from Iowa. And he says, uh, this isn't for me. That's not, I don't want to finish this race because I don't want that life. I want to try something else. Um, that's what Andrew and I know that risk. We know how scary that is. We know that you're, you know, the, you have this thing in your head that's always telling you, like, you're just doing this for ego. You're just doing this for ego. Right. And so you're, you're, you've got to be able to, you know, explain that to yourself. Explain, explain it of no, 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 no. I want to do something fun. It's not about my ego. It's about the thing that you just talked about, Chris. Like, I, yeah, Chris and I, and I mean Williams, when, when Jess settles, calls us buddy. Oh my God. Dan McCartney called us professionals. Dan McCartney called us professionals, and Chris and I have decided that like that is gonna go on our tombstone. Like, <laughs> like when, mark, right? <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when when I die, it's going to be like father, son. Dan McCartney once called him a professional. Right, <laughs> like right. That's going to be my epitaph. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, mine, then we're going to have a say, DJ uh... to celebrate it. <laughs> <laughs> Good callback. Yeah, that's that's terrific. Yeah, it'll say uh, mine will say you know husband to Aaron, father to Eli and Audrey, professional to Dan McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it is one of those things like, you know, because Chris and I, you know, Chris and I started this off just as, uh, hey, man, we want to make some content. We don't really know what's going on, but, you know, I I had some other podcast going on and and, and still do. And, and Chris wanted to find his place and, and all of this. I'm like, well, we've got a rapport. Let's make this work. And yeah, just to be able to have the guests that we've had on to talk to the people that we have, uh, it's way beyond anything that I would have ever, ever fathomed. And it's also not anything that I think either of us uh, would have predicted three years ago. No way. It, it, it reminds me of the, the very first thing that you said when you brought me on, Chris, um, because I happened to be back in my bedroom when we very first started and... Um, my wife came back in there and you, you, you said something that stuck in my brain a little bit. And again, something about, you know, really excited to, to meet, to talk to this next guy, man, it is so true that. So when I met my wife, I was a maintenance man. Okay. All of my friends, all of my friends are guys that I knew when I was just some pencil neck geek, you know, it, it is, it's a, it is, it's almost funny to my kids, to my wife, to my friends. It is, it's funny to the, to the people in my life who've known me for a long time. 
when like if I see you, Chris, and you come up to me and you go, Hey Ross, great to see you, man. And you know, we walk away and my wife will go, Well, who's that? And I go, Well, that's Chris. I, I met him through the radio show. That's hysterical to them. <laughs> like it's hysterical. Like you're just you're just some nerd. Why do they think that you are something special? Oh no, Eli. <laughs> Eli thinks I'm cool. Look at it. He does not. <laughs> hey, what's up, Eli? <laughs> you know, I'd give anything to just be able to lay around on the couch with no shirt on. That's a whole nother. Oh episode, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This isn't even his bedroom. His bedroom is he, he has an entire floor of the house to himself. Oh, I'd never, I'd never be around my parents then. Yeah, it's just I, Chris. I, I think it's just, I think it's just proof how much he likes me. There you go. I relate to that though, Ross. I when my wife and I went to um, the Iowa State game in, in Las Vegas, I had quite a few people. And people come up to you from Twitter that says, yeah. "Hey, I, you know, I want to meet you or whatever." And would and I mean, not a lot, but you know, four or five yeah, people but- had stopped. And my wife is like, "Who was that? Uh, somebody that I follow on Twitter or somebody that listens to the podcast?" And she's like, "Don't you find that weird?" <laughs> and I yep. was like, "Yeah, no." No, yeah, and just, she's and she's totally fine with it till some hottie like Steph Copley, right? And then you're like, oh, right, crap. yeah, no, my wife, yeah, yeah. When Steph Copley <laughs> met me, you know, and we, I got a hug from her. Trust me, Stacy wasn't worried. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is my wife, Chris. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Ross, you, go, go ahead, ahead Chris. Tim. No, go ahead. No, I, I just know how busy you are, so I thought maybe we'd throw out this final question and. And get your like guys. Up. Listen, I've got. I have nothing. I when uh, I'm hanging out with you, and then tomorrow I'm going to Vegas with my wife. So um, okay, yeah. I'm, okay, so don't, so don't feel like don't feel like you're impinging on my time, but I don't want to take too much of yours either. So no. So we, the, the 1987 World Series. Uh, here's the question I'll ask you. Though. Yeah, go ahead. Is What's what's 2022 Ross going to go back in time and tell 2012 Ross? What piece of advice would you give him? That's such a great question, Chris. I love that question, man. I love that question. Um, You know, okay, so let's let's talk 2012. Um, My son was two years old. Um. Life was really, really hard. Life was really, really hard. When you're a new parent, when you're really poor, <laughs> uh, you know, and you both know, everybody that's out there that's married or has kids knows all of those difficult changes that happen, you know. Relationships are really, really hard. They're, they're nearly impossible. Like when you explain what a relationship is to an alien, they, they aren't possible. Two people meet and they like each other for a moment and then they each go out in the world and they, they do their own thing. They see the world their own way. And then they're supposed to come back at the end of the day and, and get on those parallel tracks again. And, and then we've and, got all these examples of like the blue dress and the gold dress and Yanni and Laurel. Right. Where we can hear and see the exact yeah. same things, but not hear and hear and see the exact same things. Right. And, and, so and, that, and that person has to love you at your worst. Exactly right. Tim. you're nailing it, man. And so, what I would say to Ross in 2012 is um, it's going to get better. <laughs> uh, be nice. 
and keep your head down and keep moving in this direction. Um, I, I had, I don't get a lot of dreams anymore because I just don't get to sleep a lot, but one of the best dreams I've ever had in my life was the week that I started to do my real estate classes. Um, I had a dream where I was walking in a, in a town square of some type. And I knew at this direction I was walking down the street, I just, I knew that I was moving forward in my life. I was moving towards this next thing in my life. And in that moment, a cop came up behind me and grabbed my shoulder. And I turned around and it was my grandpa. It was my dad's dad who's been dead for 15, 20 years. And I turned around and my grandpa said, keep going. You're going in the right direction. And that was it. That was the end of the dream was my grandpa saying, do this. You're going in the right direction. Keep going. And that's what I would say in 2012 is keep going. You're going in the right direction. It might not seem like it at times. And it might, you might want to do mean things. Don't be nice. And it will all pay off. That's a great question. I love that. That's a great answer. I love that. Yeah, man. I, I think back to my 2012 me working a corporate job, hating life, watching my friend, Derek, now boss going to brewing school and realizing like, Hey man, I can, I can go find that thing. I, I love to do, but man, I don't think I would have had the guts back then. So I, I oh. love, I love cause like just keep going requires faith and that yeah. that's hard, man. So it I, is. I, it's really hard. I love. I, I, I love Tim, that answer. I almost wonder. Like I would. I I would want to even do that next step of that question and like, you know, somehow ask yourself in in twenty in twenty thirty two, what would you come back and say to you today? Mm. Now, what would what advice if you could if you could if you could flash forward in time and you're happier? And you're healthier and, you know, all those things, you're, you're closer to all those different dreams. What would, what would you need to hear today to get to that point? That's such a great question, Chris. I'm glad you asked that. I heard one the other day that has been stuck in my head for a while, a couple weeks ago now. Um, it's actually three questions and it is people are life is and I am. Mm. Mm. And if I, you wow. if you if you can ask somebody those three questions, you can learn a lot about you know what do they think about people, what do they think about life, what do they think about themselves. Um, yeah. So that those are those are really good ones. I've been I've been contemplating a lot lately. I I think for me, the answers would be is is crazy as this answer might be in the climate that we live in and then what the perception is people are overall good yeah okay what, and, was, qu and, what was question two was life well, is life is yeah it, it is a blessing and mm -hmm. and i am grateful is probably mine yeah i like that a lot and i've, like and I've a lot. gotten a lot of that from 
in, in all honesty, I know my persona probably on social media is is um, one of of confrontation sometimes, uh, and uh, and pretty strong in my beliefs. But I can honestly say in the last year or so, I have met some of the nicest, kindest people through that app that probably don't see the same way as I do on a political spectrum. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And that's okay. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, right. And I that's mean, I, why I think there's still good people out there. I, I, I think you and I, Chris, have both learned like we brought this up a while ago. And again, I hate to give Aaron credit, but like don't do that. Don't we've had that discussion. <laughs> Aaron but, Aaron is on his other podcast. <laughs> such a don't give him any credit, Tim. We've had that discussion. I'll edit the, that right out. I'll edit but the, that right but the, out. The, the point is like he he has helped us both to like take pause and remember uh that everyone's kind of on a journey, right? Yeah. I, because I would answer all three of those questions the exact same way. People are imperfect. Life is imperfect. I am imperfect. Because the answer to all of those is I need to accept the reality and deal with all the reality of all of That's- that. That's that's really good, Dan. You're absolutely right. Because what I've I've been on a whole personal journey. I've recently quit Twitter. I've recently dealt like I've dealt with a lot of these other things. And what I've learned is it's not about fixing. It's about managing. Like life is about managing. Like I spend too much time worrying about fixing. I need to worry about like, you know, like. A hundred years ago, they used to punish kids for being left-handed, right? And even now, you can see there's a right-hand dominant world, not like there's a flaw with being left-handed, but left-handers have had to learn to adapt and adjust, and they've never spent time worrying about, oh, Jesus, why did I have to be left-handed? Like, why am I stuck with, with this, or, or what's going on? No, they've just learned to adjust and adapt, and, be, and, and things work. Like, everything, everything in life is about Understanding, accepting, and adjusting. And and I think my, you, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I my, my I love that. Yeah, I think that your answers there, Tim. They they remind me. I'm a huge Alan Watts guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that what you're what you're saying that there's so many things that are are genius. <laughs> they really are. They're, that's such a great perspective of stuff. Um, my answers when, when I first heard those questions were, uh, people are amazing. Life is awesome. And I am exclamation point. Like I just, I, I, uh, but I, but your answers are so good that we, we all were so much better off by, approaching situations knowing that that other person has gone through something else uh knowing that that other person they're they don't just have the other the other opinion that i do because they're evil awful stupid people um they came to that conclusion because 
of the exact opposite. They're sentient, smart, and live different experiences than I than I did. And if you take a moment to understand that and figure out why you disagree rather than what you disagree, mm-hmm. uh, you go a long way. Go a long, long way. That's I, I like that. I love the uh, that the the answer to all three is imperfect. I think that's the right answer. I think yours is the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that, Chris? I just, I just want to get that on record. Uh, yeah, but luckily we're an hour and a half. In and everybody's yeah, so he's got to cut it out. Yeah, he's just got to cut it out anyway. Every, every, nobody listens this far in, Tim, so nobody will believe it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. No, I, but man, uh, again, Ross, the whole point of this podcast is like, you know, we always say it's about how we're smart and we have all the answers, but really my favorite, absolute favorite thing about this is there's so many people that we can learn from and learn different life. Like it's exciting for us to have Marcus Pfizer and, and Dan McCartney uh, on to, to talk about what, but the lessons I learned from Dan McCartney had nothing to do with football, right? the lessons in the relationship that we now have with Marcus Pfizer has nothing to do with basketball. It's about everything else in life. And, you know, whether or not you're a lottery pick or uh, a radio guy or uh, whatever the hell I am, like there's all these, these life lessons. And so the thing that gets me jazzed to do this podcast each and every time we record it is that I know I'm going to learn. So man, we, we, we genuinely uh, appreciate your story, uh, learning where you came from, who you are, what you've shared. Uh, is there anything else you would like to, to, to share or brag or promote or anything like that? No, nothing. You know, you, uh, you know the 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 one story I would would maybe say to kind of uh, encapsulate our our whole conversation here that was does go back to something you said earlier, Tim, about that identity thing. Um, the best perspective that I've ever heard on on that identity topic came from Derek Pagel. I've I've told this story on the air a bunch of times, but. Um, it's my, it's one of my favorite stories for, for these conversations. So Derek was an amazing athlete all through high school. He came from a big family and they were in their small town. They were dominant athletes. And then he got to live his dream and got recruited by Hayden Fry and went and played safety for the Iowa Hawkeyes and was good enough to play in the NFL and went and played for the New York Jets for a couple of years. And then one day he got a, a phone call from his agent after a couple of years in the league. And the agent told him that there wasn't any more offers and, uh, and his football career was over. Now I met Derek the day that Tyler Sash committed suicide. And we were talking about Tyler and we were talking about his life and what it must have been like. Now here I am some guy that, you know, as we just talked about, wanted to be an athlete. Mm-hmm. And boy, what that must have been like to be Tyler Sash and to actually be a great athlete and be a great hockey and be in the NFL. And I'm standing there with Derek Pagel, who did all of that. And Derek took us for a moment 
to that mo to, to that 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 place in time when that phone call happened, when he had done the exact same thing you were talking about, Tim. He'd always been Derek the football player. He's, he'd always been Derek the athlete, Derek the football player. Went to high school, you're Derek the athlete. Goes to Iowa, you're Derek the football player. Goes to the NFL, you're Derek the football player. And then a dude that barely knows you calls you one day and says, hey, man, by the way, that identity, that whole thing you've got, that's not a deal anymore. You don't get to be that guy anymore. That ruins people. Mm-hmm. That, that, that moment of, mm-hmm. well, wait a minute, man, this whole life, this whole life was that thing. Uh, and, 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 and Tim, there was probably a moment on that day back in, in, in January 2020 where I felt that thing, you know, where I was like, oh, well. Ross, the radio guy, doesn't exist anymore. And what do you do? And and Derek Pagel talked to me about what you do, you know, because there's a couple options. One, you give up. You give up, and you and you talk about the glory days forever. And the other thing is the really hard thing, and it's the right thing. And it's you 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 pick the pieces up, and you move forward, and you and you get better, and you reinvent. Um. And that is, uh, that to me is the best perspective conversation I've ever had of a guy who could say, um, yeah, you, you, you might've watched my life and thought, whoa, this is so cool. This guy plays for the Hawkeyes and plays in the NFL. How lucky. That was a deep, dark year to pick myself up off the couch to figure out who the hell I was. And, that, and if anything, I'm really lucky in that I've always known who the hell I am. You know, and um, I didn't ever, I, I didn't ever get to or have to deal with any of that other stuff. So that's my favorite perspective conversation. That's the one I dig you with. You know, uh, it's funny that you say that because it's the almost the exact conversation I had with my daughter um, one night, and I've told this story on this podcast before. Uh, it was a Monday night. Uh, it was, a uh, Monday nights. I was always up late during chemo because I was on steroids and couldn't sleep. And so Monday nights were always nights where I would, um, would be up late. And, uh, Caitlin came up, she was a freshman in, in high school. She came upstairs and sat next to me on the couch and started crying. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, it's not fair. She's like, I don't know why this happened to you. It's not fair. And I said, we're not doing that. I said, we have one of two choices right now. I said, we can lay in the street and let life kick the shit out of me. Or I can get up and move forward and not let it win. And we're not laying in the street and getting the shit kicked out of this. So dry your tears because we ain't having it. Now. Did I cry later when nobody else was around sometimes? <laughs> you bet. But wasn't going to let her feel that way. That's because you but were I, watching I, a Lifetime movie, though, right? Why do you got to do that? Why, why do you got to do that? <laughs> I, listen, you can make fun of me all you want, but Lifetime makes some good fucking movies. Right? <laughs> that's some good shit. Lifetime movie network, I, that's some good stuff. <laughs> I love this. I've never heard a passionate defense of the Lifetime Movie Network. Oh this my god, awesome. dude. 
it's it's so good they're a lifetime sunday afternoon when it's raining out you have a little bit of bourbon and you watch a lifetime movie that's some high level shit there are there are lifetime network executives (laughs) that are not making this impassioned of a a case Ross, Guys, I gotta you, tell you. Thank you so much for inviting me on here. This is a lot of fun. This is a this I, is a, have, a fun chat. I have so much fun listening to you and Chris in the afternoon. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't laugh and probably learn something at the same time. So thank you very much. Well, thanks, man. That means the world. It it is uh it, it's uh it's the most fulfilling thing in my life man to hear stuff like that and it uh it 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 makes me uh, i'm i'm forever grateful to be able to do it and to to get responses from from folks like you and to get friendships with uh with you know people like you chris that i've met through the radio station that now you know if i see you out and about i, I love going out of my way to say hi and talk to you and um me too a very lucky guy man very very lucky guy keep it up yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Ross, uh, we really cannot thank you enough. Uh, Chris and I have been absolutely lucky here to have some amazing guests. Um, uh, like I said, man, th- the whole point of this is 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 to learn and uh, uh, inspired by your story, uh, by your your humility and, and by, you know, you constantly rediscovering what life is all about because i think i think anyone who tells you they have it figured out is uh playing a fool's game man anybody tells they got this thing figured out run like hell (laughs) (laughs) run like hell yeah Yeah, uh, absolutely um but yes uh we do appreciate you being on old man strength which again i do have to say is a podcast of the tailgate society. So please find us on the web at the tailgate society.com on Twitter at T gate society. Chris is side grad side dad. I am actually no longer on Twitter. Uh, because I needed to do something for my, my mental health. And I think that was a positive step. We will see how long I hold out or if I'm going to be like uh, a meth addict who starts tweaking here very soon and, and, and goes and craves uh, that sweet, sweet crystal here pretty soon. But I am no longer there, so I'm not going to plug any handle. But other than uh, strength underscore old, please follow us there. Uh, you can, you know, I always say something like you can find us wherever fine podcast podcasts are, are found. But if you're listening to us, you already know how to find us no, on a podcast. That's right. Cast, but we've got some sweet merch so please go buy that um we do do. uh other than that chris any other plugs teasers whatever you kind of you kind of very subtly dropped that we may or may not be talking to a certain athletic director of a certain uh division one school that may or may not be in the very central midwest and the very very central iowa midwest I checked again. The email's legit that I got. So (laughs) we're recording at four o'clock on May 11th. So make sure you're off work. Jamie Pollard is a Jamie. Jamie Pollard's an awesome one, guys. He is. uh, uh, He's an open book. He'll answer any and all your questions. 
what an unbelievably difficult job a guy like him has. Um, I, I like Jamie a lot. He's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, I, re- I respect the hell out of him. I think probably the most questionable decision that I, I would ever challenge him on, on at all is that he agreed to come on our podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, something has to be wrong there. But no, uh, very excited for that. Thank you all very much for listening to yet another edition of Old Man Strength. Uh, man, some great content here. Some more coming up. Uh, so thank you very much and we will see you guys next time I don't want to get on the bandwagon I'll burn that wagon down and join the band traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands now I waited all my life to get this on my chest green bloody murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money the drugs or the women I make this noise just because I can And we'll all join in To that original sin